Bet you it helps when they turn that rascal on, don't it? But we do appreciate their hard work and we appreciate them stepping forward. And you need to pray for Craig every day. And uh, he's in the midst of having treatments. He's had like three or four now. And we just need to ask the Lord to work in his life. We really do. So, well, I got a couple jokes I want to tell you to start today. <laughs> Guy went to a Chinese restaurant as he ordered, he ordered what he wanted. And you know how they package it, they put it in those little things and they put it in a paper bag. And he took it out to the car and he was going to take it home, look at it, you know what I mean? So he got it. Got the smell. He just couldn't help it. He opened it up and he opened the package up and looked down in there and there were two eyeballs staring at him. He thought, holy moly. Closed it up, kind of scared him. So he drove about halfway home. He pulled the car over and he thought, I'm going to look at it again. So he opened it up and there it was, two eyeballs staring at him. He said, that shouldn't ought to be that way. So he drove it all the way back to the Chinese restaurant. He asked the guy, he said, I want you to look in there. He said, it looks to me like there's two eyeballs staring at me. And the guy looked inside there and he said, yeah, there are. He said, well, what kind of dish is that? He said, that's Peking duck. <laughs> It'll come to you. If it doesn't come to you, I'll explain it to you after church, all right? <laughs> I had heard the story of a couple guys one time who they were, you know, entrepreneurs. And they were looking at a way to try to make some money. They went to Mexico and they vacationed. And, man, they had a blast. It was great. The only thing was as they were into bungee jumping. Bungee jumping. And so they thought, man, what a deal. All these tourists down here, there's not a bungee jumping place anywhere. We need to set us up one of those deals. And so they moved to Mexico. They got all the materials. They built the scaffolding up, built the platform, got the bungee cords, told everybody what their grand opening was. And they said they're going to have a demonstration. Everybody need to come out and watch. And so they... They tied one of their, foot off, their feet off, you know, the way they do. And, and one of them said, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the one that jumps. And so he jumps and, and then finally his buddy pulls him up. And when he pulls him up, man, this guy is, I mean, he's beat up. And he looks at him and says, is the cord too long? He said, no, it's not too long. He said, I think I'll do it again. So he jumps off the second time. And when he pulls him up the second time, I mean, it's even worse. He's got cuts on his face, around his neck. He's got, he's bruised. I mean, he's really been beat up. He said, good night. And he's kind of staggering around. And before he knows it, he loses his balance and he goes over the third time. And by the time he gets done the third time, he pulls him up and he says, man, you're bleeding even worse. He said, what is the deal? And he said, what the heck does the word pinata mean? <laughs> Did you get that one better? <laughs> well, let me ask you a question. How many would agree that every once in a while in life you get the stuffing beat out of you? 
Would you agree with that? Did you ever notice how life kind of does a little bit of this? Yes and no. I don't know about your journey. I wish my journey kind of went like this. But it doesn't. I have ups and I have downs. In fact, if you had to if you had to look at my life, you'd say, Pastor, you've been on a roller coaster ride. And I have been. This week was a roller coaster ride. I could tell you my week this week, but you really don't care, so I ain't gonna bore you with it. <laughs> but it's been a humdinger. It always is when I come back. Always is. While we're on our vacation, Bev and I maybe are foolhardy. My kids think I am. I rent a car in Thailand, and that means you drive on the wrong side of the car on the wrong side of the road. And it really isn't all that scary, except they've got motorbikes with crazy people riding them. Normally, they don't have helmets on, and normally they're wearing flip-flops, and normally they drive like a Comanche Indian. I mean, they're crazy. We were driving along. I'm really driving defensively. That means I got both eyes open. <laughs> Ten and two. How many know what I'm talking about? And I'm driving along and I'm not driving that fast and all of a sudden there's a taxi cab and this little gal in a motorbike gets, she, the taxi cab pulls out in front of her, she hits that taxi cab and she goes flying. And she goes through the air, her helmet comes off, her flip flops come off, she lands in my lane. Man, I hit the brakes. The guy next to me hit the brakes. And we missed her. Thank God we missed her. I thought I was going to run her over. I mean, lickety split. This gal is up. She's grabbed her flip-flop. She's putting her helmet on her head. The guy in the taxi's coming out. And she's off to the side. And the traffic moves on as if nothing happens because they have so many motorcycle wrecks over there. By the way, on the island of Phuket, there's 900 fatalities on motorbikes every year. Every year. Common occurrence. Now, In this crate. <laughs> By the way, have you ever noticed that's the way life is sometimes? Come on. You ever notice that, man, it seems like everything you got the world by the tail and the next time you look up, the world's got you by the tail and beating you over the head? Sometimes that's the way life is. Now, there's ups. There's downs. When I was a kid growing up, fellas, probably play the first one real quick. I got a video here I want you to see. I hope, I hope, I hope. Do you remember a clock like that? Can you turn the, can you crank the sound up, I hope? Does anybody remember clock sounding like that? You can turn it off. Tick, talk, tick. 
talk. You know, that's kind of the way the life is, isn't it? You got a, a tick and you got to talk. And, and sometimes you're in between. But there's always a tick and there's always a talk. When's the last time you went to the doctor and he gets his stethoscope out? I got another video. Fellas, show that video real quick. They put those little deal in their ears and they listen to your chest. The normal heart just makes two sounds, lub and dub. Okay, stop right there. Mayo Clinic cardiologist. Lub and dub. Did you ever wonder what they're listening for? They're listening for lub and dub. You, you got a problem if it goes lub, dub. If your heart sounds the way it's supposed to, your beat of your heart, what they're listening for is not just a tick and a talk, but they're listening for a lub and a dub. That's the way a normal heart's supposed to sound. Play the next one, fellas. Hey, I don't know about your house, but my doorbell goes ding, dong. Yes or no? I got a tick and a talk, a lub and a dub and a ding and a dong. <laughs> if yours is only ding and you got a freaky <laughs> front doorbell, yes or no? Yeah, it needs to have a ding and a dong. Well, you know, when you start thinking about life, when my grandma back on the farm when I was a kid. Play the next one. We had one of these. Now, by the way, that was my favorite sound. <laughs> when she played that rascal, she'd go in that back porch. That means it's time to eat. And with as many youngins, they had seven kids, and I don't know how many grandkids. You better get your buns up there. Because if you don't, you ain't going to get much. And <laughs> drumstick's about all you're going to get. But you know what? There's certain sounds. There's certain parts of a lub, a dub, a ding, a dong, a, a tick, a talk. I got one more. You ever heard of that? The, well, go ahead and play that. That's a, that's a grandfather clock. Do you remember that sound? Yeah. Come on, do you remember that sound? Yeah. Every night my granddad had one of those and he'd pull them, the chains, and he'd make sure, he'd look at his clock and he'd make sure the clock was right. Do you, do you remember those days? Yeah. Some of you do. Yeah. You know, the, uh, when you study oceanography, I took oceanography in, tw in 12th grade. I know that's a weird subject, but I enjoyed it because I loved the beach. Did you know that the, that the uh, tides in life, the tides on the beach, they ebb and they flow? Do you know that? Every 12 hours and 25 minutes, it goes from being a high tide to a low tide, to a high tide, to a low tide. It has something to do with the gravitational pull of the moon. But the water waxes, or excuse me, it ebbs and it flows. Did you know the moon waxes and wanes? 
Some of you going, good night. I think Pastor Phil must have gone to college. He came up with all this weird stuff. <laughs> you know all that. How many of you ever know, noticed that sometimes the moon is completely full? And then every once in a while you walk out there and there's a sliver. About every 28 days, that lunar cycle, that whole thing changes and it waxes and it wanes. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm saying that's the way life is. You don't always get highs in life and hopefully you don't always get lows. Usually you're somewhere in between the tick and the talk, the ding and the dong, the wax and the wane. Come on, I keep going with that. The bottom line is life kind of does this. Now, if you got your Bible, we're in Psalm 25. So I want you to open your Bible to Psalm 25, and I'm going to show you how life is, what the journey of life looks like this morning. Now, I want you to stand just for a second, and we're going to read, read a few verses here, and I know some of you are going to croak, but you're going to sit long enough that your buns will rejoice in the fact that I let you stand for a second. I'm trying to get the blood to go back to your brain for a minute. Let's read verse 1. It says, Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let my enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait upon thee be ashamed. Let them that be ashamed which transgress without a cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord, and teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth, and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation, and unto thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and loving kindness, for they have ever been of old. Remember not the sins of my youth nor my transgressions according to thy mercy. Remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, I'll teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will teach his way. And the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. Unto thee such as keep his commandments and his testimony. Let's read verse 11 together. Ready? For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Be seated. Be seated. Psalm 25 is one of the interesting psalms in the New Testament because it follows one of the greatest psalms in all of the Bible. Psalm 23, 24, and 25 are a trio of psalms. And to be honest with you, if you had to write one word over those three psalms, it'd be Jesus. In Psalm 22, we see the crucifixion of Jesus. Many of the words that Jesus says on the cross are prophesied in Psalm 22. Psalm 23, Jesus isn't just crucified. Psalm 23, Jesus is the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Don't you love that psalm? And then when you get to chapter 24, chapter 24 is the king that comes back for his bride. 
Chapter 24 talks about opening the gates and let the king of glory in. By the way, won't it be great when Jesus comes for the bride? If you know who the bride is, smile at each other if you're saved because that's who it is. And Jesus is going to come back sometime to pick us up. So 22, 23, 24, all are about Jesus. Now, when you get to 25, he changes gears and David writes this song. It says that right at the top of the psalm. You notice that superscription at the top? Psalm of David, you see that? And there's a question as to when David wrote this psalm, but most people believe it was written during the time of Absalom's rebellion. Absalom was David's son. Absalom decides through treachery and deceitfulness to steal the kingdom from his daddy. He stands in the gate. He greets people. He begins to glad hand politics. We're in that politicking season now, aren't we? And he's shaking hands and he's basically saying, you know, if if I was king, things would be different. If I was king, you'd get to have an audience with the king because I'd sure listen to your complaint. And the Bible says that Absalom stole the hearts of the people and Absalom rebels against his dad. And David has to leave the city under the cover of darkness and flee for his life. And so it was during that time that David writes Psalm 25. By the way, David's been up. (laughs) David's been down. We see a tick. (laughs) We see a talk. We hear a ding. There's also a dog. We we wax, and we, we ebb, and we flow. David's now in his 60s. He's not a young man now. And as he leaves the city of Jerusalem, the Bible said he leaves barefoot with a sheet pulled up over his head. And there's Cushai standing up on top of the hill throwing dirt clods and cussing him. Ups. Downs. Tick. Talk. Ding. Dong. David writes about that experience and he gives us some tremendous advice. I don't know about you, but my Christian experience isn't always up. Sometimes it's down. I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life, everything doesn't go great. Sometimes I'm hanging on by my fingertips. And so David begins to write. Look at verse 1. David says, Unto thee, O Lord... Do I lift up my soul? You know, when you're down, your soul gets down. Good question to be pastor when we talk about a soul. What's a soul? God made his body, soul, spirit. 
If you thought about concentric circles, draw a circle, draw a smaller one, draw a smaller one, draw a smaller one. If you're going to think about what your soul is, the smallest circle in the middle would be your will. Sometimes people say the soul is your will and your volition. Did God create us a free moral agent? Did God give us a will? Yes or no? Can you choose what you want to do? Can you choose to reject Jesus Christ as your Savior? Can you choose to say there is no God? Absolutely. God gave us a will. But not only did God give us a will, God gave us a mind. Put that in that next circle. Your mind. Let's talk about your mind for a moment. How many of you have an attitude? How many got an attitude right now? Some of you came to church and said, this is the dumbest waste of time I've ever had in my life. And if it wasn't for the fact I got to live with that woman, bless God, I wouldn't be here. Smile at me. Smile at me. Hey, I, I have emotion. I, I have a will, but I have emotions. I'll be really honest with you. There are some times when my emotions get kind of out of whack. You ever get up on the wrong side of the bed? Oh, no, Pastor. I get up and it's springtime in my heart every day. <laughs> you liar. Your soul is your will. It's your mind, where you make up your mind, where you have emotions. But you know, God housed it in a body, didn't he? But you know, the Bible says that inside you, the real you, is your soul. You know, there's a verse. Let's look at it. Mark 8. Mark 8. Fellas, can you put that up there on the deal? Mark 8, 36, it says, What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and he lose what? His own soul. How many ever heard that verse before? Now, for years and years and years, you know what I thought that verse taught? I thought that verse was talking about a poor guy that got... Lots of money in life, only thought about this world, never thought about the next world. And the bottom line is, he gained all of this world, but he goes to hell. It could mean that, but I don't think that's what the verse is talking about. I think what the verse is talking about, I think it's talking about a guy that gives his life for things to be quite honest with you, that don't really matter. And in the process, he loses that soul. You ever met a man that was so into working and so into achieving that he'd give himself a heart attack and lose his health? Yes or no? Yeah. You ever met a man that was so into business and, and so into making money that he didn't care nothing about his family and all he did was work and when it come down, plumb down to the plumb down, he loses his family. You say, Pastor, what happened to him? His soul's out of whack. Come on, that's what I think happens. 
I think God gives us certain priorities and certain things that are important. And God says, hey, listen, you better watch out for your soul. There are times when I feel like my soul shrinks. There have been some times I felt like my soul was depleted. I remember a few years ago when Bev went through her cancer. And there was a few nights where the Lord and I wrestled and we had a few conversations. And I'll never forget waking up in the middle of the night every once in a while and just felt like, man, my soul is just really struggling right now. Wasn't too long ago. My dad's been dead over 30 years. I had a a vivid dream. I, I dreamed that I saw my dad. I dreamed that I sat down and talked to him. And it was one of those dreams where when I woke up, I was sweating and my heart was beating. And, and, and after that dream was over, it just felt like, man, I felt like a limp rag that somebody just rang out. Felt like my soul was under attack. There's some of us, we think about going to work tomorrow. Maybe your boss is a real pain in the rear. Or, or maybe you're facing the confrontation. Or maybe there's a problem. And tonight when you go to bed, you're going to lay there and you're going to toss and you're going to turn and you're going to do battle with that and it's going to be heavy on your mind. And when you get up in the morning, it feels like a, a part of your soul. Somebody took it. David said, man, I'm really under it right now. My life is really struggling. And he said, Lord, he said, I want to lift up my soul to you. Bev and I watched a movie not too long ago. It was not a movie. It was a TV show run program 2020 it was about this dude that tried to commit suicide and the bullet blew most of his face off and he got a face transplant and it took like 22 hours and there was a team of doctors that worked and took the face of a young man that had died off and they reattached it to him and connected him back up and the story was how they brought that amazing story of the, the mother of that deceased boy to meet this young man that now has her son's face. And I thought to myself, wow, what a miracle, what medical science can do. And the Holy Spirit, as I read this verse this week, he kind of spoke in my ear and he said, hey, Phil, I'll tell you a better one than that. Every once in a while, I'll do a miracle in your soul. Lift your soul to me when it's depleted. Lift your soul to me when it shrinks. Lift it to me because Psalm 23, verse 3, he says, He restoreth my soul. Amen. Amen. By the way, I only know one person in the whole world that can restore your soul, and it's not a, a team of doctors in Boston. Amen. His name is Jesus. You know, every once in a while, take 
Lord, my soul is depleted. I lift my soul unto you. By the way, did you know there's several passages in the Psalms? Three or four times, David says, Lord, restore my soul. I lift my soul to you. So tick, Lord, I lift my soul. But talk, look at verse 2. Oh, my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let my enemies, let not my enemies triumph over me. You know, every once in a while, you go through life, and I'll be real honest with you. I, you know, I'm just going to throw this out. I think I'm a nice person. At least don't throw tomatoes. Not one amen. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I love being your pastor. You know, I, I, I may be delusional. But, you know, I think I, I haven't spit on anybody in years. <laughs> and, you know, I get out of bed in the morning. I'll be really honest with you. I think some people think, well, Pastor got up today and he was trying to figure out how to screw the church up. <laughs> no, I'll be really honest with you. For 27 years, I give you everything I got. And I've worked hard, and I've loved you, and I've loved this church, and I try to make good decisions. And, and you know one of the things that amazes me about being a pastor? How through the years i got some people that are enemies. i got some people that don't like me. I've had some people say some ugly things about me. David said, Lord, I'm... I'm surrounded by enemies. But there's something profound in the verse. Verse 2, he says, oh God, he said, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph. Can I explain to you what he's saying? He said, Lord, I've lifted my soul up to you. I need you to restore my soul. But he said, Lord, I've got some enemies out there that hate me. And he said, Lord, I need your help. And Lord, if you don't come through, if you don't do something for me, Lord, those haters are going to be a Make me ashamed because you didn't do what I thought you would do, and that is take care of me. That's what he's saying. He's not worried about his enemies triumphing over him. David's had one victory after another. David knows what it is to be a warrior, but what he's really saying here is this. He's saying, Lord, listen, your reputation is at stake. I'm your child. I'm a child of the king, and I've followed you for years. And God, listen, these enemies, these haters are saying ugly things about me. And Lord, listen, I need for you to come through. You know, one of the great things about the Lord is 
if you look at the passage, the way he says it, he says, unto you, O Lord, that's that word Jehovah. That's Jehovah, the covenant-keeping God, the God that makes promises that never fails to do what he says. Are you listening to me? And then he goes a little step forward. Do I lift up my soul? Oh, my God. Elohim, the God of creation, the God that spoke and it was so. God, you've made promises in the past. You're the Lord. You're the Jehovah. But God, you've got power, creative power. You speak and it happens. God, I need your help. I need you to come through. I need for you, Lord, to recognize there's some, there's some haters out there. One of my favorite songs is It Is Well With My Soul. And you know the story of Horatio Spafford. Horatio Spafford was a businessman. He was a lawyer. In fact, the story was his wife... And him had four children. His wife and daughters got on a, got on a boat and were going to go over to Paris. The Chicago fire had come and they lost almost everything. They were going on a vacation. And as they went across the Atlantic, the boat went down. And, and if you read the story, the story is basically she is saved. They, they come alongside. They see a gal floating on a piece of debris from the ship. They pull her up out of the water. All four of the daughters drown, but his wife was alive. And she telegraphs her, dad, her, her husband and she says, saved alone. Later on, he goes on his voyage and he comes to the spot where the boat went down. And he begins to write a song, when peace like a river attendeth my way. And sorrows like billows, they overflow. Within a few moments, he wrote that beautiful song. You know, you never heard the rest of that story. The part I just told you, the one you've heard every time. But the rest of that story is this. He had a few more tragedies. And the church that he went to, I hate to tell this story. The church that he went to had some mean Christians in it. And they began to be like Job's counselors. And they began to blame him. And they began to surmise that undoubtedly the reason that he had all these problems in his life is because he was a sinner. Or he didn't have faith to believe. And he got a little boy, another little child came along. And when that little boy, Horatio Jr., when he was four years old, he died of scarlet fever. And Christians turned on him. Haters turned on him. People that you thought would, should love him and people that you thought would back him and people that you thought would lift him up and support him, they turned on him. And even today, if you go to the internet, the amazing thing, you, 140 years ago, 
xchristians.net, a, a website, uses that story as a, as, a, as a premise that God doesn't really care, that God doesn't really keep his promises, that God won't come through when you need him to come through. And what David is saying, oh God, he said, listen, my soul's depleted. I lift up my soul to you. But he said, there's some haters out there. And God, I don't want you to be letting me down. I don't want to be ashamed that you didn't come through when I needed you most. As a pastor, I've knocked on several doors and heard tales of woe of people that said, I don't believe in God anymore because I prayed this prayer and God never answered it. Or my daddy died or this happened or that. And they've got a reason why they've now hate God. David says, take I lift my soul up to you. Talk. There's some haters out there, God. You need to come through. Or you'll give them a reason. Tick. He said, God, I'll wait on you. Look at verse number three. He says it this way. Yea, let none of them that wait on thee be ashamed. <laughs> I know what some of you are saying. Wait on God? Seriously? You got people out there that hate you. You got people out there that are surrounding you that say mean things about you. And pastor, the best you got is wait on the Lord. Well, let me help you with the word wait. Some of us, we think it's sitting on the stool of do nothing. No, that word wait there is a word that's used for a century that's walking back and forth looking for the enemy. That word wait in the Hebrew is a word that was used sometimes for a mama that was up with a sick child all night long watching that little child to make sure the child made it through the night. It's, a, it's the idea of a, a vigilance. It's not the idea of doing nothing. It's the idea of vigilantly waiting on the Lord. You see, David says in this passage, he says, Lord, I'll wait on you. You say, Pastor, when you're surrounded by haters, what's the best thing to do? Punch him in the nose? No, wait on the Lord. When you find out you got some haters, the best thing to do is just let the Lord take care of it. Lord, I'm waiting on you. You know what they said wasn't true. Lord, you know the accusation that they made isn't correct. And God, I need for you to come through and I need for you to act because otherwise we'll be ashamed that you let me down because I'm waiting on you to take care of it. If you look down to verse 15, he says, my eyes are ever towards Jehovah. He says, I'm waiting on the Lord. And he says, I'm, I'm watching you. My, my eyes, Lord, are on you. Look down, if you would, at verse number 19. He says, consider my enemies, for they are many. 
and they hate me with cruel hatred. David says, Lord, my eyes are on you. But listen to me, listen to me. He said, your eyes are on them. You know, the great thing about being a pastor for 27 years, I've had some people that didn't like me through the years. But one of the great things is to watch God vindicate you. Amen. You say, Pastor, you ever want to punch one of your enemies in the nose? Yeah. Many times. But you know what I found out? The Lord punches much better than I do. David said, hey, I'm going to tell you what my life was like. Take, Lord, I lift my soul to you. Talk. Lord, I'm surrounded by enemies. Take, I, I wait on you, Lord. My eyes are on you. And just so happens your eyes are on them. This dear lady right down here. I'm going to tell a cat story, so don't get mad, okay? She has a bunch of cats. Did you ever notice the difference between a cat and a dog? I was visiting a guy this week, and I was talking to him about the Lord, and this big old golden retriever came in. That dog... I don't know why they do that. He tried to sniff me. <laughs> Put their noses in the wrong place. He said he's friendly. <laughs> Way too friendly. And he told me, he said, that, that's my wife's dog. He said, that dog right there loves my wife. It was one of the kids, and they wouldn't feed it. She took it over. That dog loves her. When she leaves in the morning, he cries. And he sits by that door, and he waits for her car, and he knows what her car stands up. And, and when she comes up the steps, he goes crazy when she gets home. Amazing thing about a dog, if you feed the dog, if you pet the dog, if you play catch with the dog, the dog looks at you and he says, you must be God. <laughs> now a cat. <laughs> You can feed the cat. You can pet the cat. You can try to play catch with a cat. Doesn't work. And the cat looks at you and he says, I must be God. <laughs> you know one thing I'm absolutely convinced of? I've met some dog Christians and I've met some cat Christians. 
David was a dog Christian. David said, Lord, I got some haters out there. Well, Lord, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to wait here for you by the door. I'm going to listen for you. And man, will I get excited when you come home. Yes or no? Lord, I lift my soul up to you. God, I have some haters. But Lord, I'm going to wait on you. My eyes are on you as you keep your eyes on them. Here's the third, fourth one. Lord, forgive my iniquities. Look at verse 11. He says, for thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquities, for they are great. Some translations say it like this, pardon my iniquities because they're widespread. Now, can I just be really honest? Will you, will you listen to me for a few seconds? Sinning's not as easy as it was what it used to because everybody has a cell phone. <laughs> you can be on video. They can tape your conversations. And they can prove it now, can't they? Come on, some of our politicians are learning that the hard way. How would you like to be Brett Kavanaugh and have your yearbook looked at from high school? Come on. Look what David says. Look what David says. Look at what he says. Uh, if you look at this passage, he says, uh, let me catch it right here. I've got to find it. He says, Lord, he says, remember, O Lord, verse 6, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness. He says, for they have been of old. He remembered not the sins of my youth. Now look up here. Come on, I want you to look up here because some of you are going to look at your Bible right now because you're ashamed. But if we showed the sins of your youth... Did you ever do anything stupid when you was young? This is kind of a yes. <laughs> Can I help you with the story? David's committed that awful sin with Bathsheba. David's reaped the backwash of all of that Awful things that he did. He killed Uriah the Hittite. He, he, he has a baby that's born that lives probably three or four years and the baby dies. David has a daughter named Tamar and his oldest son Ammon rapes his half-sister. Absalom, his son, the brother of Tamar, takes his older brother Ammon to the sheep shears and kills him. Absalom now has stolen the kingdom. He says, Lord, I need for you to pardon my iniquity. That word iniquity is an interesting word. He says, my twistedness, literally. By the way, to be real honest with you, there's not a person in this room ain't twisted to some degree. Oh, not me, Pastor. I'm, a, I'm an angel. I got my wings up here underneath my coat. 
look at the way this reads. I, this is fantastic. Did you catch the remembers? He says, verse 7, remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies. That word tender mercies, I, I like the way he puts them both together. That's not just mercy, it's, it's, it's tender mercy. The interesting thing about the Hebrew word, it comes, the, the etymology of the word, it comes from the word womb. It's the idea of a baby that's born through a mama's womb and the love that a mama has for a child that comes from her womb. One of the hardest things that happened when my mama died, is I always felt like nobody had my back. Mama always had my back. Are you with me? There was a love my mama had for me nobody else had. He had tender mercy. And notice what he says. He says in this passage, he says, remember the tender mercy. He says, your loving kindness that word kindness is New Testament word grace. Lord, I need some of that loving hesed, that grace. He said, Lord, forgive me. He goes on, he says, for thy goodness sake, O Lord. If you go down a little bit further on in this passage, he says, if you... If you notice it, he says, he says, for they have been ever of old. Now stay with me. He says, God, you need to read your resume because your, your kindness is loving kindness. Your grace is a loving, wonderful grace. Your goodness is incredible, Lord. That's the resume of you. That's who you are, Lord. Forgive me because of who you are and how you are and the essence of your being. That's what you're about. And then he says, Lord, do it because you've done it all the way in the past. First couple ever lived, God put them in a beautiful garden. He said, you can't do one thing. And they blew it. In the cool of day, God came down and walked in the garden. He cried out for Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve were hiding from him. You remember the story? He said, why are you hiding? He said, Lord, we're hiding because we, we're naked. And the Lord said, who told you you was naked? And God went and got a couple of lambs, and he killed them. And he sacrificed those lambs and he took those garments and he placed them upon them and he covered their nakedness because he forgave them. And by the way, that lamb points all the way to a guy named Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Next big character in the Bible is a guy named Abraham. Abraham has a beautiful wife. His name is Sarah, his half-sister. He calls out, he calls him from the Ur of Chaldees and, and Abraham finally gets to the promised land and they have a bit of a drought and so Abraham takes his wife and they go down to Egypt and he tells his wife on the way down to Egypt when we get down there you lie you tell him you're my sister and Pharaoh looks at Sarah she was a good looking babe and he says she's going to be in my, my harem you remember the story yeah. 
about that time, God comes in the dream to Pharaoh and he says, if you mess with her, son, you're going to be in big trouble. And he calls Abraham in and he says, why didn't you tell me the truth? And Abraham and Sarah go back up to the Holy Land. And what does God do? God takes them to Bethel, the house of El, the house of God. And God comes to him again. Why? Because God forgives all the way back in the Old Testament. By the way, I could keep going with that story. There's a young Jewish boy. He's probably about 16, 17, 18 years old. His wife-to-be comes to him and says, I'm pregnant. And he says, how can that be? I've not had sex with you. She said, it was a thing of God. God overshadowed me, and I'm caring of the holy child of God. And, Abe, and, the, and Joseph has a dream. And God says, believe what she says. Look down in the verse. Let me show you. Let me show you. Let me show you. Get your verse. Go down, go down here. Look at verse 11. He says, forgive me for thy name's sake. Do you see that? Come on, do you see that? Normally a Jewish boy would have a son. What do you think his son's name would be? Joseph would normally name his boy Joseph. Joe Jr. Yes or no? Do you remember what the Lord told him? He said, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Matthew 1.21. David said, Lord, forgive me. Read your resume. That's the kind of God you are. And Lord, you've been doing it forever. You go all the way back to the first family that ever lived and all the way through the Old Testament, all those people that messed up, you forgave them. And Lord, listen, if nothing else, do it for your namesake. Oh, man. Aren't you glad you're saved? You say, Pastor, why are you saved? Because I got a great God with a resume that's incredible. And he's in the business of forgiving. In fact, he sent his son. His name is Jesus. Amen. And he came to save. And the psalmist says, Lord, remember. 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 I got to quit. Some of you say, I didn't think you'd ever shut up. <laughs> you say, Pastor, how you doing today? Been a tough week. Been a tough week. I went to the Lord a couple times this week, and I said, Lord, restore my soul. 
couple of times this week, I said, Lord, there's some people that, that didn't necessarily like me. But Lord, I'll wait on you. I'll let you take care of it. And Lord, listen, I got some sins in my life. They're widespread. But I need to remember who you are and what you've been doing for a long time. And the fact is you sent your son. His name is Jesus. And he'll save his people from his sins. You say, Pastor, how do you make it in your spiritual journey? <laughs> TikTok. Ding dong. Wax and wane. <laughs> but that's how you do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, speak to us now.